welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Sophie Kissling of Uppercase. So welcome to the show, Sophie. Hello. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hi, everyone. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm a fashion designer. I'm a stylist. What we do right now, we have a sustainable clothing brand. And it's also about smart closet services, which means we sell sustainable clothing within a system that is uh, aimed to circularity for once and we, we kind of like to call our brand like uh, fill in the gaps so mm-hmm. yes we sell clothes but it's meant to be of a part of a system of a sustainable wardrobe mostly so that's what we do well yeah and I love that you kind of like have the big picture of mm-hmm. you have the fashion but it, like how it fits in to kind of the greater picture of fashion and sustainability and just you know someone's wardrobe in general so so cool Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about your background like how did you get into fashion is this something that um like you've done for your career or yeah how'd you get started in the fashion industry well I started for myself Uh, I started uh, designing and manufacturing clothes uh for myself because I would never find what I wanted uh, in the market Mm -hmm. as a young teenager and I ha- I've been very lucky to have an amazing sewer uh, that teach- taught me a lot of what I know today and taught me a lot about construction because I used to design and then I have to double check with her whether what I think uh, or what I plan to do with that certain fabric um, would, would be doable, first of all, and how mm-hmm. would it fit. So that happened between, let's say, 14 and 19 years old. So all of that, uh, my teenage years, I spent it uh, with her mostly. Well, I came from a house. I was raised by my mom and my aunt. Both of them used to make their own clothes, even mm-hmm. swimming suits. So there was always fabrics and uh, sewing machines at home. And I, yeah, I started young. And once I decided I wanted to be a, a designer, they told me, okay, you have, to, uh, you have to prepare yourself because you don't know how to sew with a sewing machine. You don't know how to make a pattern. And you should learn first in order to uh, instruct others of what you're <laughs> meaning to do. So mm-hmm. I started to take courses and, uh, in different places in Buenos Aires. I even applied to... To university here in the states then my sponsor uh just uh, kind of backed up and mm. although i got accepted into college i couldn't make it back then and so i started like i said i started taking courses and doing it on my own and after a few years i even got my own brand in argentina it was very formal um i i loved it i loved the experience it just made me realize how little I knew about the real business. It wasn't the same, you know, Interesting. to do yeah, for yourself. Yeah. And in, in what ways? Like talk a little bit more about that. 
Um, first of all, uh, I have like an idea of what uh, uh, fashion was. It was very formal and I thought it would be appealing. And I just didn't double check before I started whether people would like to wear that kind of, uh, of items, you know, in in a city as Buenos Aires. It was very um, kind of like high couture, but made uh, for every day. Mm. <laughs> uh, lots of crepes, uh, satins, uh, silk. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, from the point of view of design and colors, I was really happy about the way it turned uh, out, but it wasn't comfortable, really. Gotcha. So just mm-hmm. not not understanding kind of the market fit of the business exactly. side of how many of these can you sell? Like how many people are going to want? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it taught me a lot about the, the industry itself. I mean, it's not the same to design for yourself or to sue for yourself. And uh, when you try to bring that to the market without checking whether the market wants that in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, that's, I think that's a big lesson. It's a lot of, it's so fun to make the more creative, more innovative, mm-hmm. fancy garments, but not many people are wearing that day to day. And so, yeah, that can be no, kind of like the hard, is... the hard reality of working in exactly. fashion is you don't get and to work on the fun projects. years often. ago, imagine today, I mean, there were, that wouldn't fit at all and also I discovered something very very important which was I was very much into the details of the finishing because I loved like matching um, squares you know and things like that and Mm -hmm. the hard reality uh, was also that people love high fashion but uh, not because you love it you're willing to pay the price of that kind of Mm -hmm. manufacturing and finishings so that was another thing. And it was, uh, it was a high cost for me to mm-hmm. do that because instead of going to a manufacturer and do, uh, for example, the shirts, we would uh, manufacture them with two very old sewers. Uh, they were very skilled, but it was like a crafted work. Really, mm-hmm. it wasn't cereal. Yeah. And you couldn't load that in the price to the customer. That's what happened. That's also a hard reality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you had this brand for a while. So what did you do after that? Like, how long were you running the brand? And then like, yeah, what happened next? I went crazy because I was uh, uh, also um, working at a corporation as a personal, as an assistant, executive assistant. And in my kind of like free time, I'm making quotes my hands here. In my free time, (laughs) I would run the business. So it was crazy. I would go all day from 5 to 12 at night. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was exhausting. I only kept it for two or three years, but it, <laughs> I ended up worn out also. So that yeah, also, I can see taught, me, yes, that also <laughs> taught me a lesson of uh, how really, I mean, I was in my 20s, so it was different, right? I'm 46 now, but still. I, I ended up worn out. That's 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 the truth. Also, burnt out, you could say. Mm-hmm. And that what happened was that I decided to close the business. Um, I was still working in a, in a high demanding corporation, and then my first uh, child was born, and I knew that everyone around me, especially the girls, they all had nannies 
until 8 or 9 p.m. Mm. And uh, I, it, it, uh, it just, um, I have to make a decision. Either I, had, I hire a nanny until 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. or I just quit and do some other kind of job. So that's what I did. Uh, after my first child was uh, turned uh, one year old, I decided to quit. And I also discovered that I did not like not working. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't meant for me. <laughs> I just didn't fit that role either. So mm -hmm. that only lasted like six or 10 months at the most. And as, as a just, uh, I, I don't want to say just a mom because it's a full-time job, you know, when yeah. you say just a mom, you kind of minimize. <laughs> yeah, the, it's the, like, the way, it's like twice a full-time job, if not more. <laughs> exactly. So, but uh, I discovered that I, I didn't like that kind of lifestyle either. And to make the long story short, I ended up uh, being a ESOL teacher in Argentina. That's where I come from. So I, for seven years, I became an English teacher, English as a second language for non-native speakers. So I was surrounded by kids all day long, but I mm -hmm. would uh, go out at four and to pick up my kids at school. So, uh, and in... <laughs> As a side business, I kept the styling part. So I would do wardrobe styling on the weekends. It was my only free time, kind of. Mm -hmm. So then how did um, Uppercase come out, out out of all this? Like, I know you still do some of the um, styling as part of Uppercase, but like, when did kind of this new brand start to emerge? It started, uh, started at the end of the pandemic, at the end of 2020, really. Oh, wow. 2020, November, uh, it started under the name of Mona. It, was, it had a different name. And I decided back then that I didn't want to repeat the experience in Argentina. I was, uh, at first, we we're going to be based in Barcelona. So I met oh, wow. all the research. Yeah. Um, in Barcelona, I found a, a very interesting um, business model uh, through a manufacturer that I loved it. I fell in love with that. We have many uh, video calls, Zooms, and, you know, emails we exchange. But the borders were, were closed at the time. Yeah, that's right. And you couldn't travel. So we don't have a... European passport so it was closed for us as well I mean there was there were no exceptions we asked the consulate and we were not given the exception we needed to travel and months started to pass uh, and in the meantime I discovered that Mona as a brand was taken so uh, mm -hmm. we have to reset think of a new name and that's how uppercase was was born as uppercase uh, mm -hmm. this time and I chose the the name because I love uh, I love designing in all of the ways. I mean, I love interior design, I love graphic design, I love everything that is visual. It's something that I, I have always uh, cared for. Uh, I, something that I always pay attention to. So, being in the graphic design world, uh, I decided that all of our uh, items are going to be named uh, with the vocabulary of graphic designers, really. That's why uppercase, and then you have some items like bold type or the tank top is font, you know. Mm -hmm. 
So that's how it started. Um, I make sure I registered the, the brand this time, check mm -hmm. that they didn't exist. And after a couple of months of not being able to, to travel and to really start uh, going into business, we decided to uh, restart our research and came here to the U.S., And we chose Miami because we felt at the time that it was now the place that it needed most because Miami is, as you know, it's uh, famous because of the, um, for them, mall and sales seasons and shopping and, mm -hmm. and it's, it kind of felt to us that it's always like uh, either New York or the West Coast, you know, California, going into the um, awareness of recycling and sustainability and all of that. And I don't know, we kind of felt like Miami could be the next sustainable fashion hub. And that's why we started here. Nice. Yeah. So you like moved from Argentina to Miami then, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we kept it remote control. Remember our beginning? Mm -hmm, as much mm -hmm. as we could and then we decided it was time to come and, and really get our hands into this because it was moving so slow gotcha yeah yeah and I think Miami too is a very like fashionable city it is mm -hmm. it is I've only been once for work but um I know like even the fashion group international they have a chapter down down there and yeah it's like very very trendy and the warm weather helps so you can wear your nice clothes out and not have to like bundle yes. up as much as you do in the north and, and i don't know if you know um, this, more colorful but um argentinians used to uh based in miami for all to make all the 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 shopping i mean they would travel to miami only for the weekend to come to the malls uh, you know especially in sales season Oh, wow. So, yeah, so mm -hmm. cool. So lot, lots of great reasons to be based there. Mm -hmm. So that's why it makes sense to us. So, you know, it's like, let's, let's start changing this. I mean, of course, you have to have the will of uh, this big concept of making the world a better place and, you know, starting uh, to thrive for change in the things that, that you care, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on that, like, what are some of the values that you've kind of built uppercase on? Um, you mentioned sustainability and like making, you know, a better world, but kind of what, what are those values and what's kind of your vision for the the change you want to make with uppercase? Well, um, uppercase was born as a inclusive brand mostly, and that uh, in the in the broader uh, sense of the word, not just uh body type talking uh, or gender neutral or anything like it. It means um, at, um, like offering a product within a reasonable budget. So even though we are uh, hashtag as quite luxury, it's not meant to be exclusive in terms of, um, of, of budget really. So um, what mm -hmm. we aim for is that everybody can afford sustainable fashion that's why we are not so much a design brand I mean if you look at our items are 
pretty basic. Um, we, we care about finishings and it's a neat design, but it's it's very simple. It's not about uh, extravaganza or, or, or big patterns or anything like that. And it's because we are a fill in the gaps brand. That, that means that mm -hmm. whatever wardrobe you own, uh, you can certainly buy some key pieces in order to maximize your wardrobe. So it's a fill in the gaps within a, within a circularity system. Um, it was born as a response to having a, a sustainable brand that it's affordable uh, because you don't need to buy that much, really. I mean, it's not like uh, mm -hmm. we, we, you can buy like four or five items and I can assure you, you're going to really maximize what you've already owned, you know, at the best. And also, uh, it was more because, you know, each sustainable brand has like... Uh, a subject that is concerned with, you know, some is carbon mm -hmm. uh, neutral, some are, I don't know, uh, uh, energy. Ours is the pile, <laughs> the stacks of clothing that are piling up in the deserts and all around the world. Uh, our closest neighbor being Chile, uh, the desert of Atacama. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you're aware, but um, that's uh, yeah. regularly, regularly on the news. And we started thinking about circularity and what, the, you know, the, the famous loop of fashion, what, what happens to your clothes after uh, the, that lifetime with you. So there is mm -hmm. a natural disaster or there is, I don't know, some awful event and you want to donate. Well, I can assure you our clothes is going to fit that need. Because you're not going to donate, uh, I don't know, a sequins top with, a, uh, I don't know, um, two stripes back. You know, who's going to wear that? I mean, mm -hmm. not <laughs> in extreme poverty. I mean, after hurricane hit, I mean, that's not what you're going to donate. That's not used to anyone. But uh, a simple cotton t-shirt, that would certainly fit somewhere. Mm -hmm. So a, a legging, a pair of loose pants, uh, a biker, I know, even if it's uh, as a, if it's meant to be to wear under jeans or some other thermal uh, type of clothing, you, you can certainly give it another use. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you've really kind of built the pieces and the brand around this idea of how can we fit these kind of basic pieces but like you said they're like very detailed and they have quality finishings like into the current wardrobe of the customers who are buying it so that they don't need to like go buy a whole new set exactly. of whole new outfit just to match your piece like this will kind of match everything they already own and then it has kind of this longevity of it's not going to go out of style or be useless. be useless. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. It's classical mm -hmm. design. I mean, really, you um, like take for I don't know, like the the tank top font. I mean, it's just a classic tank top. I mean, uh, anybody could use uh, a white tank top under I don't know, a, maybe a transparent shirt even with jeans and, and sneakers and mm -hmm. uh, with a jean jacket. I mean. That that's what I, um that's what we aim for, you know, to to feed a real need, you know, a, a real solution within a wardrobe. And we also 
like you said, we provide this um, wardrobe editing services or personal styling services. And what I'm most specialized in is uh, the wardrobe editing because I spent many, many years, even as an ESL teacher, you know, during my weekends, uh, trimming mm -hmm. wardrobes. We, I, I dare, I dare to uh, say women here, we tend to have a closet full of uh, clothes that we cannot even see or remember what we have and still feel mm -hmm. we don't have anything to wear with the occasion is there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I spent like 10 years um, dedicated uh, to kind of solve that. And the answer is always, of course, go back to the basics that will help you mix and match. But when it comes to basics, uh, at, at least in Argentina, but I think it, it might be it applied to almost to all the world, is that you go to a, a certain big um, four-letter name brand, you know, which specializes in basic, but those are not sustainable. And it's... Mm -hmm. uh, trendy and it's a fast fashion and it generates a lot of uh, let's say discomfort <laughs> earth while so that's what we're trying to offer a different alternative yeah yeah so with with kind of editing a wardrobe and creating those pieces that can mix and match um, do you have kind of a few like tips or things that you commonly see are yes. like here's a way to edit stuff down and then yeah I'd love to hear kind of what sure sure are. I mean the first one that always comes to my mind like the first like the fundamental shopping attitude that we as customers should um tend to is smart shopping smart shopping is uh, like it's like preventing accidents <laughs> to put it away it's smart <laughs> shopping means to follow the famous rail, uh, rule of uh, three, or maybe even up to five, which means you buy an item that you know for sure it's going to solve at least three outfits of your existing wardrobe. Mm. At least three, not two, not one, at least three. Mm -hmm. And then is when you think you found something you really like or uh, something that you think you need or that it may be coming handy in your wardrobe, Take the time to grab that item with you in the hunger, you know, and walk around the shop for at least 30 minutes, you know, just seeing if anything else is uh, a better option than the one that you have in hand. Or at least it will give you time for what the time you go to the cashier, is this, this really necessary? Mm. Will this really fit my wardrobe? Will this item really fit my needs? And most of the times you will discover that maybe not so much and you would just leave it. <laughs> yeah, it's like thoughtful. And this has, has been proven time after time, Alison. I mean, really, really. I went shopping with many of my clients and we walk around the store with three or four items in hand just to, at the end of that half hour, maybe 40 minutes, leave the store empty-handed. Mm. Or find a better piece that will fit their needs. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. I, I Most of the time when I shop, I leave, which is very rare, I leave empty-handed <laughs> as well. Yeah, 
because we know we know by now that shopping mm-hmm. is emotional so it's based on emotions and we sometimes don't take the time to look into ourselves to discover what is triggering that mm-hmm. need so that i think is the fundamental piece of a sustainable wardrobe yeah it's the time you take to yourself and that's why we we like to say in uppercase we sell time that's what we sell we don't say clothes we don't even sell a wardrobe editing uh, services we sell time because uh we not all of us are really willing to put all that energy in deciding what to wear each day and that's that's uh that's a myth not because um because Women, we grew up, I'm talking about my generation, I'm 46 years old, and we grew up in that, in that culture, mm-hmm. you know, of, um, of having like an extensive wardrobe, of uh, going shopping on the sales seasons. Uh, it's very hard to er- erase that hard data <laughs> story in your brain. <laughs> And, and you're supposed to like it and enjoy it. And it's not always the case. Most of the cases, um, shopping is stressful. You don't find what fits you best. You don't find what you're looking for. You don't find the color that you needed or that you wanted or that best uh, looks on your skin complexion. You don't find um, what mostly is about the right fitting because we also come from a culture that we have to like fit in a certain uh, standard of beauty and harmony. And when our bodies don't fit into that, uh, shopping becomes very stressful and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So it's not a nice experience. Yeah. I think one thing that stands out of like everything you've just been saying is, you know, when you're shopping and you you mentioned several times finding just the right piece that really does fit your needs and and solve you know for several outfits is y- you won't know that piece when you see it unless you kind of understand what the needs are in your wardrobe or what you're looking for exactly and so exactly so that's why our services aim to that we you call us once or twice or as many times as as you need because every client of course is different and grasping these concepts is not always easy because it has a lot of psychological work behind it's not so much about designing Mm -hmm. and call and knowing about colors it's it's very hard psychological work behind it because uh the way we feel when we wear certain pieces uh are deeply connected to to what we appreciate or don't appreciate about ourselves. And that's a very hard connection. And it's very hard to put it into words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you don't even know you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And and also as a society, we've learned to be like polite and regardless of how we feel. And so, for example, if your sister, let's say you have a sister. I, I do, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it was a good example. If your sister, like, um, gives you a present and she gives you, I don't know, a pink uh, V-neck T-shirt, most of the times oh, that, that's um, where I come from. It was many, uh, in many ways, it, was, it worked this way. 
you wouldn't say, oh, I don't wear pink, I don't wear v-neck or this. I don't really like it's not really my style. You keep it, even though you're going to, there, there are two problems there. Either you're not going to wear it and you stuck it in the pile of clothes you don't already don't wear in your wardrobe or you wear it regardless of how that makes you feel and it's not making you feel on your best mm -hmm. and it's that is supposed to be like the polite gesture I mean you're not supposed I, I mean I was not supposed to say really I didn't like it I'm gonna exchange it for something else mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's so that's so true um so I'm curious, like with all this background in styling and your approach, like building this smart wardrobe, how did that um, help you as you were deciding like what pieces to design for uppercase and even what what fabrics and materials to use? Um, well, uh, most of the, um, especially the tops, uh, most of the tops, the t-shirts that uh, I designed are the kind of things that in my experience the wardrobes that I've been editing and and curating uh these are the pieces that were missing most of the times mm. but also uh, I was uh very concerned of making like a wide variety of designs in terms of what we want to let's say to flatter in our bodies like for example square neck is not for everyone but there there's some Water types that, that that really really look good in that kind of uh, neckline. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, when, um, take me as an example. I'm short and chubby, so I have to move away from turtlenecks, the necklines that are too close to my uh, base neck. So that's why I love V-necks mm -hmm. t-shirts, for example. And then if you have like uh, broad shoulders, maybe the both both neck it's better and you know so I was trying to cover all of that styles in order to better fit at different uh items for well let's say almost everybody or at least that's what we try I don't know if everybody but uh, as close to that as possible and in terms of the fabric well it, that came as a decision when we chose Miami as our base, even though we saw uh, in the United States, all in the United States, there's the weather issue and the climate change. Mm -hmm. And we don't need any more fabrics that makes us sweat any more than we do right now. So I chose organic cotton because I think it was the best choice as a natural fabric. It has its... Uh, it has its the, the the downside. I mean, it wrinkles, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time. So it's ironing. It can stand many many washing cycles. Uh, has to be very light, speed wash, and delicate. And you're not supposed to wash your uh, your t-shirts more than once a week, you know. So you have to really try to be careful in that sense. Uh, that what when planning your outfits for the week comes in hand. Mm -hmm. So you can repeat some items and then wash them like periodically, not so frequently. So that's the downside with organic cotton, but it's still, it's a very breathable uh, fabric. It's very soft. It feels nice, you know, on, on the skin. You don't have to worry about allergies of any kind. I've 
as you have to be horrible with other fabrics. So that's why we chose organic cotton for most of our items. And then we have to be gentle with ourselves because within the sustainable industry, there are many phases where many challenges that we face, but one of them is being kind of like finding balance between what it exists right now and what people need, which is most of the times feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. So for example, our bottoms, of course they have some percentage of spandex. We try to keep it at a minimum because we don't want to source notions. So we, we don't want to go into like bottoms and zippers and, you know, um, elastics. Mm-hmm. And we try to keep down that down as much as we can. We kind of negotiate it with some percentage of spandex in, in our bottoms, like leggings, bikers, loose pants, skirts. To get that, yeah, get the comfort and the fit without all those extra closures and details. Exactly. We we have come to the conclusion that within the sustainable world, you have to be very careful about how you ad- advertise your brand. I mean, what words mm-hmm. you use, what what is the the chosen vocabulary? Because some people can be very, I don't know, tough about it. And the truth is, we we aim for a sustainable uh, world. We walk towards it. That's the final goal. But we have to understand it won't happen overnight. We have to be patient. Mm-hmm. We have to choose consciously as much as we, we can because I think it's important that everybody cares about this because it's a cliche, but it's, 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 it's so true. I mean, the Earth is our planet. Is the where is where we live. We need to be more conscious about the the, the options we we choose in daily life. But it's also exhausting. It can be also exhausting, and you want comfort, and you want some brands to make your life easier and to be less stressed. And people in general don't want don't want to feel judged or criticized. So I. Yes, I choose to be sustainable in this particular way and I do my best, uh, maybe regarding this problem, I do my best here and maybe I not so focus in something else, but we do our best. We have to start thinking that we do our best all of the time in every choice we make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's so true where the, the word sustainability, like there's no kind of like legal definition of what of what it's is like no room for mistakes what you have to yes. criteria you have to meet to be a sustainable brand but then on the other hand it is some people will hold it to a very strict standard of like oh well you aren't perfectly sustainable in all areas so you can't call yourself sustainable which I don't agree with I think it's more of the mindset behind the choices like you were talking about like is the goal to buy as much as mm-hmm. possible and just throw mm-hmm. it away? Or is the goal to create a really quality product with the best materials, you know, that will make it last long and be worn for years, you know, and and really fit the needs of the customer mm-hmm. in a mo- and as environmentally friendly way as possible. And, also- and it sounds like you've kind of made those choices about function and the longevity and the how long will this garment be in use and 
and really focused your sustainability efforts on that, as well as the organic cotton being a natural fiber then will decompose versus being plastic that's thrown in the desert or yeah. something. Yeah. Exactly. And, and if you're so strict about all of the terms that are around sustainability, in the end, it will start to be like something very exclusive. And when something is mm -hmm. very exclusive, mm -hmm. not everyone can afford yes. And that's not the idea. Being inclusive is not about uh, racism, body type. Mm -hmm. Being inclusive means budget as well. So when you charge the customer with all of that, you're leaving great part of a majority that wants to be sustainable but can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And the definition by the dictionary of sustainability is capable of being maintained at a steady level rhythm without exhausting natural resources. And I would add, without exhausting your budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's the sustainability <laughs> from like the natural resources of the earth, but then also just sustaining the brand or the, you know, the person yes, in exactly. their life too. So it's the afterlife of the product that we really focus on. And there's also the, the issue of uh, traceability. That's why we, all of our items are made in the U.S. And I understand it's not, it, we are in an era that everything is immediate. Like you take uh, the major logistic brand in the U.S. and it will arrive probably on the same day or overnight. And mm -hmm. that's not our case. So we have to deal with that too, because selling on demand means that it will take about 15 days to arrive home, you know, whatever you mm -hmm. ordered. Uh, but that is because people in the, in our manufacturing plant work uh, like nine to five, they work on weekends, uh, they work on holidays and we are fine with that. Mm -hmm. Because when you talk about lifestyle and sustainability and circularity and earth friendly, you oftentimes leave aside the quality of life of the people involved in making your garment. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. Yeah, it needs the sustainability and the, the ethical part of mm -hmm. fashion, which, yeah, I feel like ethical fashion tends to be more about the people in the supply chain. And then sustainability, mm -hmm. generally, I feel like more often refers to the environmental impact. And yeah, exactly. So how did you end up finding the factory that you're working with? And ah. why did you choose an on-demand production model versus kind of traditional production? What? I'll be absolutely honest here uh, because we didn't even know this existed. When we started to uh, started our research from scratch, when we decided to move to the U.S., uh, our whole project, I uh, contacted many, many universities all in the East Coast, uh, including the, the FIT, you know, mm -hmm. in New York, and we'll contact the fashion department uh and if they have a sustainable fashion you know department as well i would contact the the person there and ask about especially about not only manufacturers but suppliers what the trends were you know and where was the east coast and in, in all of that and there was only one person that answered my emails oh, wow. <laughs> that was yes that was tara from james um and she she was great, really. I mean, imagine just somebody from Argentina contacts you uh, with a, 
barely uh, born business, <laughs> uh, but she took the time and she offered some contact uh, contacts and we reached to some of them. Um, we reached some manufacturers and then for some reason or another that we couldn't get through them or they weren't interested because of course of every clothing brand that just has started, there's the problem of uh, how many, the, the bulk quantities, the mm -hmm. minimum bulk quantities you have to um, you have to apply for. And, and sometimes you don't have that kind of uh, money to make that big investment. Mm -hmm. And so all of those uh, uh, possibilities just uh, came to a dead end. And we ended up like reaching for her once again after i don't know three or four months and said look we're here in this wall we cannot move from here i mean i have the supplier i have the fabrics i have the paramakers i have everything i just can't find a manufacturer that will build this and she said you know there is a very very new business model coming up right now he comes from the book industry the editorial industry. He was printing books on demand and he's uh, setting up a manufacturing company in Arizona. And we were like, okay, and how does that work? And she connected us with him and we had a video call with, uh, with the owner and he explained the way it worked. And we thought, okay, this is it. This is not just the solution to our problems because we're just starting. Mm -hmm. This is the next era in the fashion industry. And we want to be there. We want to be the, the pioneers of the industry, uh, among other brands, of course. And we, we loved it. We loved the proposal. That's uh, how we came to BMC. We yeah. really liked it. Yeah, so cool. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's very rare. Like they're the only one I know of that does production mm -hmm. on, demand, on demand and not just like small batch sampling mm -hmm. um and in in the u.s i'm sure there are others but like they're the only one i know of and it's like very new and it not only like you said helps with there's no minimum order quantity but mm -hmm. then you're also not producing excess inventory of colors or sizes or styles that aren't selling you know i loved that and that mm -hmm. uh, allows you to have like a big variety of items because you don't have stock mm -hmm. yeah so you and can so kind of see what really resonates your customer exactly and, and you want to create something else and you don't have to be worried about that uh and i loved what it comes after that we're not there yet but hopefully uh, shortly there's no more dictating the sizes there's no more two, four, six. Mm -hmm. You can go in between those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some brands I know have started to do that where like there's set sizes, but there's many more kind of options between sizes or custom lengths, you know, if you want exactly. a different inseam for your pants or something. Exactly. So you don't, I mean, you have the size as a reference, but that doesn't mean you have to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I love that definition um, that I heard from Brenna Brown many, 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 many months ago that she um, tells the difference between fit in or, or belong. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is an 
uh, a business model uh, within this industry where everybody can belong. You don't have to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember reading, mm -hmm. I, don't, I forget exactly which of her books that was from, but yeah, I remember reading that and it's a very unique distinction, but like important as well. Exactly. Exactly. And this company gave us that, uh, that possibility. And that's why we, we totally went on board with them. Yeah. And we do have this, uh, I mean, we still have to face some things like, for example, yesterday we were uh, invited to a bazaar that they call it like that, which is like a ferry or a pop-up mm -hmm. store or something, and which is just for one day. And that's where you realize you need to count on a minimum uh, stock because even though they will put their purchase on the on the waiting list, I mean, on, on the web page, of course, you want to try it on. And that's, mm -hmm. you need a minimum stock for, for at least that. But, but that's the beauty of it. It's a minimum stock. I mean, I went there with only 53 items, mm -hmm. of, uh, counting colors and sizes. Yeah. Yeah, I know like other brands I've worked with that produce on demand, they, they do kind of a similar thing where they keep a minimum stock. They don't have every style and every size and every color but they have you know represented like okay here's this style and they have at least one of each size but it you know maybe varying colors so that people can see the color and try on the size and then order the combination that they want exactly and that's the beauty of balance mm -hmm. that's a bit of balance opposed to being so strict about certain things mm -hmm. yeah so how long has this whole process, like, when did you start? You said it was at the end of 2020 when you started um, launching this brand. And when did you officially, like, start start selling the pieces and, and launch the collection? Well, we launched our website, uh, I think it was March or April of this year. Okay. It's yeah, been a long process because we kept it remote control for almost two years. Mm -hmm. I, it, it was crazy. I mean, imagine. Um, I sent you the fabric samples. Excellent. Uh, I will have our project manager here. You know, please send me a FedEx or UPS or whatever to Argentina with the samples. Then I will look at the samples. And I'll decide <laughs> whatever. And then I'll ship them back to the States. And then I'll contact our, our supplier, you know. Everything would take like, like at least two or three months. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way I couldn't decide on a video call which organic cotton was I going to work with. <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> things you have to see and feel exactly. in person. Exactly, and colors, you know, they look different in the screen. So I bought my Pantone book and everything, but still, you you need to it's, you need to be here. And until we can be here, it was very very slow mm -hmm. <laughs> so it all I mean, started this year yeah i mean even even though so it's like 2020 to so it's like two and a half years it sounds like yeah and I, I feel like for a brand to launch it takes at least a year often year and a half two years um because like everything is new like you said you're finding fabrics for the first time you're finding label you're making your labels you're finding the factory and like each of those steps takes a lot of time 
that, you know, after you have them set up and you you have the brand launch, then launching new styles can go a lot quicker once you kind of have that base of your vendors and your um, suppliers set up. Yes, yes. And we are not even talking about publicity because mm-hmm. that's another, that's a whole other chapter. We are very, going very organic-like in terms of publicity. Just mm-hmm. social media, you know, and uh, I don't know, events like uh, the one that I had yesterday, um, clients and mouth to mouth, you know, oh, she recommended me. Yes. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. steady and slow. I, I like to erase the bat, steady and slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how has this year gone so far in terms of like other than you said, slow and steady um but have there have been any other things that like surprised you about having you know with the process of launching this brand and yeah how how have things gone this kind of spring and summer since you started selling on the website um well what has surprised me is that um i mean it shouldn't have but it did that the, our research uh, was done properly because I'm finding out uh, almost weekly, on a weekly basis, that what we have is most of the times what our clients are needing in their wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's a beauty. Yeah. Because you plan, but then you contrast against reality, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, regardless of the polls that you've made and and the experience you got, uh, like knowing that you nail it with certain things, it's it's a good thing. It's a yeah. good thing. It's encouraging. And yeah, definitely. Totally, totally. So that that's been nice, and that's uh something that surprised us uh, beautifully, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you really kind of learned from the first brand you had and put in the research this time and and really saw what the needs were and what your customers would want. Exactly. Yes, totally. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a good thing. I, I know it's, uh, it's, it's probably another cliche that I'm going to use, but it's so, um, purposeful and so useful to be able to look at look in the past uh and analyze your mistakes and really uh talk gently to yourself and say okay at that time with the information you've got you did the best you thought now you know better you do better and that's it but you need to go there and revise that past because you know you are in this industry you're you're going to totally get what i'm saying but there is a lot of ego in the creative business regardless mm-hmm. of fashion i mean i mean the creative business itself you know and whether he's more creative than you or whether you this was your idea and you know the other one like solid or this was a more original or singular and you have to uh past that that's very superficial that's very shallow that's not gonna help you Mm -hmm. so what are you most proud of or so far in with this brand or what are you most excited about going forward um i'm proud of uh after two intense uh years of uh coming back and forth with uh 
uh, within the sustainability industry, which was all new to us. What I'm proud of is that we found balance. Mm -hmm. We aim for being uh, better and better every day. Uh, but we are we have found balance. I mean, there are certain things that I'm okay with. They are not um, um, probably the most sustainable items, but they fit into the customer's needs of comfortable, of being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that that's finding balance. That's something I'm very proud of. Yeah, congrats. Mm -hmm. And what, what I'm most excited about is, I, I love uh, fashion shoots. I mean, not fashion shoots, but photo shoot sessions uh, mm -hmm. because we uh, can communicate. We, you communicate uh, to, it's like a language in itself. The, you know, the visual, the images, they tell more than you can say about with words. So every fashion shoot, that, uh, every photo shoot that we plan, it's, It's really thoroughly planned for uh, communicating what we what we want, which is uh, whether than than words. So that's what, something I'm always excited about. You know, planning our next photo shoot, especially. I mean, the, there's of course the e-commerce pictures that we you need in in the web page in order to to show the client and the, the feeds and and the products itself. And mm -hmm. there's the, the editorial uh, photo sessions, which are the ones that I love most because of that. You can communicate um, communicate more more creatively with the mm -hmm. customer and you give ideas. Um, like, yeah. uh, that's, that's nice because like I said, not everyone is willing to put so much energy in their wardrobe or how uh, to style themselves up. Mm -hmm. We all yeah. need a hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what I love about looking at editorial shoots is is the styling and kind of the possibilities of how can you wear this different ways and yes, um, yeah, how can you create different looks or different for different occasions or different yeah days with it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That that's mm -hmm. something I'm I'm always very excited about. Yeah, actually, the work trip that I was in Miami for was a photo shoot, and so we really. Yeah, this was it was a long time ago, but yeah, it was fun to, you know, because it's such a there's such cool architecture and of course like the beach and then you know lots of murals and stuff in Miami and so, um, getting to style clothes with all those different places was really fun too. Well, well next time you're here, you have to let us know. We'll invite you to the tour photo shoot. I will. Um, so I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? And you might have already answered this, but still. <laughs> uh -huh, okay, one value. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, probably I'm going to rephrase something that I already said, but it's. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's important to find balance and between who we are today and who we want to be tomorrow. Mm. Um, and that applies to everything, whatever you do in, in life, in, in no matter what area of your life. And I don't know, as a professional, as an artist, as a parent, as a friend, um, as a family member, as a community member, um, That would be 
uh, a value that I think uh, it's um, what, what uppercase wants to communicate. It's find balance between who you are today and who you want to be tomorrow because we oftentimes criticize or are aware too gentlemental with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to start changing the, the speech <laughs> and the, the tone and the words we use uh, with ourselves in terms of that. Um, you can be better tomorrow. Just plan it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seems like kind of your whole approach to this brand and to fashion until building a wardrobe is really that like thoughtful, like self-assessment and assessment of like, okay, what do, what do I want to be? What do I want my clothes to be? You know, what does my exactly. life look like? And then really think through what would what little changes can I make? Or, you know, in the case of your wardrobe, like what one piece could I buy that would would add to exactly. this goal that I have? Exactly. Wardrobes transitioning uh, at the same time as our life transition. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a fact. We're yeah. not the same person uh, every 10 years. I mean, mm -hmm. so yes, you put it beautifully. Really. <laughs> so, so did you. Uh, well, this has been such a fun conversation, Sophie. I learned more about you that I didn't know before this. Where can people find out more about Uppercase and take a look at what you offer online? Well, we are at uh, www.uppercaseus.com and then you can find us at uppercase.us in Instagram and soon to come TikTok, but I don't know. I have to ask my communications designer <laughs> person. But yeah, for sure, you'll find us there. So we welcome everyone to the sustainable world. Well, I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can check it out. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. We we in Uppercase admire your work so much. We, tolerate, we are honored to be here. Just letting you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhanis.com slash newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N h-o-e-n-e-s dot com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.